The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 40 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined on this fine Memorial Day by Zandrick Ellison, my co-host from the left coast. Zan, how are you this morning? Good. You know, we're going to be um, previewing the finals later this week, but we wanted to get an extra one in to talk about game six, um, Milwaukee. And then also, Tyler, I have to confess, I kind of wanted to get one in because I, I predicted Toronto to win and I just want to gloat for about 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Yeah, I don't know how many people you had Toronto in seven. They finished it off in six. Uh, Milwaukee, the, the story to me, and I always feel really bad about this, but other than you getting it right and being a Toronto Raptors fanboy, I kind of thought the story to me was that I felt like I don't, I hate the word choke. I hate clutch. I hate momentum. I felt like Milwaukee gave this series away more than I thought that Toronto like totally outplayed them. And I'm very curious to see as someone who had a lot of confidence in Toronto, what you think Toronto did to kind of take the series away from Milwaukee. No, you're right. And in fact, I revised my prediction to you privately because I thought Toronto, I thought they were just close. I thought they were two close teams and I like the matchup for them. So, you know, maybe a contrarian picked them in seven. But after they won um, game five, I thought they would close it out in six. And for exactly the reason that we that you said, it just looked like Milwaukee got tight Mm -hmm. in both of the last two games. Right. Like they were in it. And they kind of folded down the stretch. And I'm, I'm with you. I hate that cliche, choking, playoff and experience, too big for the moment or the moment's too big for them. This is the one series where it felt like that. I mean, Milwaukee gives up a 26 to three run from 218 to go in the third quarter to 646 in the fourth quarter. And I mean, that was really it. There, there didn't seem to be any way that Milwaukee was going to win the game after Toronto closed the gap. I mean, there was times in the first half where it looked like, man, Milwaukee's just way better. And, and this is why, like, Nick Nurse, to me, Ka- Kawhi Leonard's the story. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he was amazing. And then Fred Van Vliet just, you know, all of a sudden remembering how to shoot threes and shooting them at an 80% clip for, you know, the last three games of the series is a story that we need to talk about. But it just felt like Nick Nurse just really went for it and was like, you know what? I got a generational player playing at an all-time high level, and we're going to ride him. And Mike Buttonholzer just did not, in my opinion, counter and, and react the way that he needed to to take advantage of the Bucks. And, and I know you've seen this stat, Zan. The time that Giannis and Kawhi shared the floor, the teams were exactly even on an aggregate score. It was like 456 to 456 or 445, whatever, some stupid number that doesn't matter ultimately. but. I think it's pretty clear that, like, as poorly as we thought Giannis played, given his regular season output, they needed him on the floor more. And Bud played him 40 minutes in game six. And, like, I don't know where you're saving the eight minutes for. You know, I guess he'll, he'll be really west, rested for his pickup game that he has Monday night in Milwaukee. <laughs> I don't totally agree with you. I, I mean, at 41 minutes. How many minutes can a guy play? I, I don't know about 40, 40. 48. Could have, could have played 48. That's the well, maximum. That's, that's your college experience. Like, I mean, those guys go 40. Full 40 but um with the amount of timeouts though like why why can't 
Giannis, here's the, here's the real issue to me is that like, it felt like every time Nick Nurse made an adjustment, Bud just figured like, we'll figure it out in game. Right. And, and I think I liked your other point more about, you know, defensively. So bad. Kawhi Leonard is, you know, having a huge series. He's had a great postseason. How many times did Giannis guard him? And how many times did they go with the instead Brogdon or somebody else who really wasn't capable? And, and as a you're a coach, like paper, Giannis is going to be top three defensive player of the year. You have a guy going off who plays his position. What stops you from just locking him in? I have no idea what they saw in film. And, and don't get me wrong, like I'm, I'm not out here to be critical without being able to kind of like back it up. And, I, you know, I can't say that I went back and watched all these games multiple times and watched like the, you know, the all 22 view or whatever, if you want to make a joke about it. But like the series changed when Nick Nurse put Kawhi on Giannis. That changed the series. They, they slowed the pace down a little bit. Like they put Kawhi on Giannis. They kept him out of transition. He didn't get to the foul line. And to watch Milwaukee go down in game six with freaking Kawhi going pick and roll every time, whether it was Middleton or Brogdon guarding him, and them just attacking whoever was guarded by Brooke Lopez was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Like, and all they did was force a switch on Brooke Lopez. And then like, I could tell that Giannis was a secondary defender because they were worried about protecting the rim. And Kawhi responded with 15 assists in games five and six. And like, if I'm Bud, like, why isn't Giannis at some point guarding Kawhi? Like, why is he not guarding Kawhi at all? Like, why are you not doing something to try to make sure you don't force these switches? Like, Bledsoe, you made this joke, I think. Like, they paid Bledsoe $70 million, and he can't play on the road in game six to close your season out? Like, what the fuck is going on in Milwaukee? Well, is there anything to the idea that foul trouble? Like, he he wasn't in foul trouble, but the idea of, you know, say Leonard on Giannis and Giannis on Leonard, would they foul each other out? You're saying, oh, you're saying that's why he guarded Marcus. I'm just thinking. I mean, I'm just trying to think like why a lot of superstars who are known as good defenders don't actually guard the best player. And I, I think conserving energy and conserving fouls um, is part of it. I would presume. I mean, Kawhi doesn't really foul that much, though. It's it's great if you want to say that, and and I'm I'm totally fine with it. I guess as in a long term kind of objective, but the bottom line is when he doesn't foul out and you have multiple possessions in the last three minutes of the game, like what are you saving his fouls for? This is the biggest problem I have with coaches who like sub guys out with two fouls in the first half in college or two fouls in the first quarter in the NBA. It's like you get six fouls or you get five fouls. Like you, you have to use them. And if you foul out, like, yes, you can look back on it and be like, damn, we should have pulled him. And like Giannis is a young guy, but this has nothing to say with like what they should have done in the last five minutes of the game. If you don't want him to guard him for 40 minutes, that's great. But then, like, when you're in the game and he's just, like, every single possession getting into the paint, I think what their, their goal was – and obviously, Marcus Gasol ended up hitting, like, a huge corner three that was, like – it was a massive shot in the scheme of the game. But I think their goal was to try to not guard Marcus Gasol and have Giannis kind of play rover and, like, shrink the paint a little bit. And it just didn't work. Gasol's too good of a passer. Kawhi was fine. He actually had 16 assists. He had seven assists the other night, not six, on, on Saturday. But I thought that was a great – uh, adjustment by Nick Nurse. I think we joked early about how Marcus Gasol was not playable after game one. And what they did is realize like, hey, why don't we just stick Marcus Gasol on the perimeter, tell him he's got to shoot it, he's got to advance pass it, and see what Giannis does. And I, I think Marcus Gasol really ended up hurting them as a passer in this series and, and took Giannis away from the basket a good amount. Yeah, and I also give Nick Nurse um, I'm so happy for Nick Nurse because I, I, I've been hyping him up for years. He always seemed like the most qualified assistant um, to the point where I thought it was a great move to squeeze Casey aside. Um, 
he made a lot of good adjustments and and a lot of good non-adjustments. And what I mean by that is, you know, we had talked so much about Fred Van Vliet. I mean, it's unbelievable. 14 for 17 from three in the last few games, three games. So for Nick Nurse to say, like, it's like the adjustments you make and the adjustments you don't make. Like, for whatever reason, he he knew that Fred Van Vliet's struggles would possibly go away. He's a good shooter and he got hot. And, and um, conversely, you know, Bud, you know, couldn't really find a use for Bledsoe all series. No Bledsoe and no Miritich. Just couldn't figure out a way to make them playable. And and part of that, I think, with Miritich is that when you play Brooke Lopez, it's, it's hard to play them together. I thought they would be able to do it. And I, I don't think that Bud had enough time to kind of figure out his his roster in that regard. I remember just lauding this trade like crazy, you know, when it happened at the time. Because I was like, it makes him so flexible. It makes him so versatile. You know, I probably underestimated the human element of like figuring out how to play certain guys together when you don't have them on your team for the entire season. Well, and that's what I thought the most interesting discussion because, you know, we're going to, again, we're going to talk about the finals preview um, later this week, but let's, this is the postmortem on Milwaukee. And those names are, are crucial because, you know, blood, they had pretty much everyone on the team except for Giannis, who was going to be a free agent at some point this year and Bledsoe is the one guy they locked up already four years about 17 million a year 18 million a year do you think they regret that now or was it just a bad playoff bad series uh, I don't know this is why it's so hard to assign you know privately my friends have made fun of me in the past for being so like coach centric and being like playoff results don't always see the bigger picture, right? So the Bucks won 60 games, like they were super deep. Is that why you love Harden so much? Is that yeah, it's one, of the, it's one of the reasons why I do. And it's, it's one of the reasons why, like, I always have this very unpopular take that, like, and it'll never change, but in college basketball, I think conference tournaments are absolutely a joke. Like, in my opinion, like, I get them, they're for TV or whatever, but if you win, if you're in a small conference and you win your conference tournament, you go 16-1 and then you get upset, or you win your conference, you get upset in the conference tournament, don't go to the NCAA tournament, like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like, you are clearly the best team, right? But this is why you play the game. So it's very hard to look at this series, I think, and be like, man, Mike Budenholzer's the answer. And God, I'm glad we signed Eric Bledsoe to a $70 million deal because like both of them just look woefully undermatched or overmatched the last four games of the series. Like Bledsoe looked like a shell of himself, like didn't know how to distribute defensively. He was given up middle like crazy. And it just felt like now you're sitting with Brogdon, right? Who we talked about before. Somebody's probably going to sign Brogdon to a very expensive offer sheet. And then Chris Middleton's definitely declining his player option. And that's another guy. They, they might have to can, can like commit $180 million to two players. And I don't know if either one of those guys is good enough to be the number two. And then you add in the $70 million plus Giannis's extension in a year that's going to obviously be a Supermax deal. And it's like, the Bucks have a really important offseason to decide. Like, is this core four going to win us titles? And I don't know the answer to that based off this series because it felt like Kawhi and Nick Nurse just detonated them. Yeah, and, and the Bledsoe-Brogdon thing was so interesting because those two more or less play the same position. They're both big guards who don't necessarily run the offense. And Bledsoe has a more proven track record. Um, but right now it does feel like Brogdon was probably a better fit just because he's a better shooter. Um, and he's younger. You know, He's not that young, but he's younger than Bledsoe, who, who is 29. So the idea of locking in Bledsoe for four more years is, is a potentially dangerous contract, especially by the end, it's 19 million for a guy who's going to be, what, 33 and maybe not as athletic as he is now. So I can't imagine that looks good in year 2022. 
So my question to you is this, and I think that the, this is the interesting statement about the Bucks is like, what do you think, you know, the biggest thing here is you cannot lose Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? You need him to sign a Supermax in Milwaukee because if he walks, like, I don't even know where he would go. Like, I made the joke about the Lakers or whatever. I think they clearly... Yeah, I have a theory on that, of course. I think I think Dallas Mavericks are eyeing him very heavily. They're planting the seeds. They're like, like breadcrumbs, like trying to lead him to Dallas. Um, but every, every single person is eyeing him. I understand the whole, like, you know, they drafted his brother. Like, if, if they signed Thanasis Antetokounmpo from... Olympiacos or Panathinaikos, wherever he's playing now, like, yeah, then you're absolutely right. But my, my point is, like, everybody's going to want Giannis, right? No, but this is my point. Sorry to interrupt you. But, like, in two years, he's going to be a free agent. And you have Dallas, who's going to have Luka Doncic and Porzingis, hopefully healthy. You could slide him in very easily there. Or you have this Milwaukee team. And he has to look at this Milwaukee team in two years and, to your point, say, is this good enough? Or is this a situation like LeBron's first run in Cleveland and, and Durant's first run in Oklahoma City? Maybe, maybe you know, the premature, you know, great one seed, you know, LeBron had a one seed early on in his career in Cleveland and then kind of took a little back step and then he's like, fuck this, this isn't going to work. I need to go somewhere else. Um, Durant, same thing. They went to the finals and then took a back step and then he bounced. How does Milwaukee, practically speaking, not have that happen like and do you think it's enough to keep the core what would you do let's just say you're in charge of milwaukee do you mix it up or do you try to retain as many of these guys as possible so if you look at their cap sheet right now right i think this is where you know the nba is absolutely a player's league and it's very important to see what i think you know what Giannis thinks like does Giannis want to play with chris middleton and this is where like we joke about LeBron all the time, but the fact is like when your star player is going to be there for a while and he's getting paid a lot of money, like you need to listen to what he's saying and you need to at least take it into account. Now you need to have a good enough relationship with that guy to be able to tell him like, yeah, you know what? We think we can get better in this situation or, or in this direction, I guess. I think ultimately I'd let Brogdon walk is probably what I think is going to have to happen. And, and the issue I, or the, the reason I would say that is just because Brogdon is uh, he's a little bit older than people think and for your guy he's really good he was very good for them in the playoffs but if he's not going to step his game up as a distributor if, if, if he's always just going to be a three assist a game guy I don't know if that guy's good enough you also don't know quite how long his peak is going to be because I think he you know he's already he's 27 I think right now 26 going to turn 27 before next year so I don't know, maybe he's entering his prime, but it feels like if I have to pick between him and Chris Middleton, I'd rather pick the wing who I think can really, really guard. And they've already leaned into Bledsoe, who is a def- more of a defensive first type of guy. I think that's probably the solution. And so, well, and then the, to add more complication, buy out George Hill, right? And then re-sign him maybe at a discount, or maybe you can get George Hill for $30 million instead of Brogdon at $85 million. I don't know. I mean, I think that's really difficult, but I don't think they could... There, there doesn't seem to be a scenario to me where you get Brogdon, Middleton, Bledsoe, Giannis, and all of them are on massive extensions. It just doesn't it, by 2020, you know. And then to add more complication is, you know, Miritich, who they traded for, is also a free agent. He's um, gone. He's gone. Right. Yeah, Brooke Lope, Brooke Lopez. And Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez, as you mentioned, is a free agent as well, and he had a good year for them. I don't think certainly both of those guys can't come back. Um, I don't think so either. And they would probably want to pick Brooke. I guess, even though you would think that Miritich would be better, right? I just think Miritich is still going to be more expensive just because he fits into more teams around the league. 
and he's younger again. I think like a team like Utah could talk themselves into paying for Miritich. Um, there's not that many teams that are going to invest big money in Brook Lopez right now or use him much differently than he's being used in Milwaukee. It's kind of a great situation for him. I think Milwaukee needs to look at their bench. Um, they do have a, some interesting pieces, you know, and, that are on rookie contracts. You know, Pat Connington, he's not a rookie contract, Pat Connington, but he's only um, signed for 1.7 next year. Dante DiVincenzo, 3 million. DJ Wilson, 3 million. Two are rookie contracts. Which of those guys can step up and fill the gap? So if you think DJ Wilson can be Miritich next year, then you can let Miritich go. And that was, you know, they, they just buried DJ Wilson. And I, I thought he was a very integral part of what they did in the regular season. Like, I was very excited. I mean, I think you remember, like, as a teacher's pet, I, I picked DJ Wilson, I think, once. Because I was like, you know, he's really shown very good minutes. He's shown, like, good energy. I don't know, man. This is, uh, you know, lost equity aside, Zan. This was a really disappointing series, I thought, for a team that really was the best team in the NBA. Just by all sort of, like advanced metrics, wins, whatever, like, and look, you play the games to play the games in Toronto, they deserve all the credit in the world, but it, it just feels like you never know how long a team's window is. And I think I talked about this on Thursday, right? Where you feel like, shoot, the Bucks are young. They've got this core. They're really exciting. They just hired a new coach. They just won 60 games. Like, sure, the Bucks should be really good. We don't know that that's the case. If somebody offers Chris Middleton $150 million, the Bucks might be like, yeah, you know what? We don't think he's worth that type of money. Middleton could be gone. Then somebody offers Malcolm Brogdon like five years, 126 million, four years, 126 million. The Bucks could be like, well, shit, we're not paying Malcolm Brogdon that money. He's gone. And now all of a sudden it's Giannis and Eric Bledsoe and you're trying to fill in the gaps and replace, you know, 35 points a game. It's, they may very well be the, you know, the three seed in the East next year if they don't make the right choices. And I don't know what that is. Like I said, I, I think Middleton is really good. And that's the guy I would probably want to keep if I had to pick between the two of them. I don't know where you find a Brogdon replacement from, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's not Tony Snow. It's probably not Dante DiVincenzo. It's probably not Pat Connington. We saw, I mean, he had a good playoff series, but 15 points a game on 50-40-90, like, that's no joke, Sam. Like, it's not. Yeah, well, and, and two things. Like, uh, you're right. Like, Milwaukee, on paper, was the best team this year. And, you know, number one in all advanced stats, and in terms of offense, they were fourth, defense first by a good amount. I would just to just to put a button on it. What I would do, I think I would try to keep Brogdon. I just think he he's um he fits well. And if Bledsoe doesn't work, if Bledsoe like takes a step back or he maybe becomes a sixth man again, you need somebody who's reliable at that guard spot just as a shooter. Um I would keep him. I think you have to pony honestly, I think you just have to go deep into the max or the tax and, and re-sign Brogdon and Middleton. And I, I just think, you know, and the, the the one thing they could do or they should try to do is maybe sell off picks and try to find buyers for some of their bad contracts. Remember Tony Snell? Remember Tony Snell? It's not, has, a, good, it's not a good deal. It's not I thought deal. he was good. He had that one great playoff series. But he he's due $11 million and $12 million the next two years. You could probably send that off to somebody if you attach like an asset to it people always look for shooting too and you can credibly claim that tony snell is a good shooter though we never see him make any big shots yeah. he's a three and d guy in, in theory i mean he's long-armed he shoots threes i think he could play on some teams or at very least you know that 11 million is not going to kill a team who's rebuilding say atlanta they're not using their cap space anyway to this contract ilisova I think it's probably good enough to justify $7 million a year, but $7 million and $7 million. There are these little contracts that they could try to get rid of just to lower the threshold. 
and I would let Miritich go. I think DJ Wilson can can fill that spot. Um, and I would pro- and hope that Brook Lopez takes a, a hometown quote unquote discount. Um, He's from because, California. <laughs> I know, but you know, he, he maybe likes Milwaukee. I just think where's Brook Lopez going that's better than Milwaukee for just in terms of his like for his basketball career? Portland. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And you know, actually, Zan, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Bet Online because as as Memorial Day winds down and we get into the summer, like you can actually bet on free agency. Obviously, the NBA Finals starts on Thursday night. The Stanley Cup final starts Monday, the Blues and the Bruins. So we got to anti-sweat Boston because they're not allowed to win sports and everything. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. So sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code PODCAST1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, for a 50% welcome bonus. Also can bet on baseball. They do have some political props as well. No more Game of Thrones to bet on. So we'll see what the next show is to take over the public eye for entertainment purposes. But do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use the promo code PODCAST1. Or you can text BETNOW, B-E-T-N-O-W, to 238-669. That is 238-669. And receive a 50% welcome bonus. That is BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, well, you know, you you had me thinking about our lives. Like, what are we going to do after basketball's over? You know, there's only seven games left max. There's Game of Thrones is done. How are we going to spend our days? We have to hang out with our wives. That's going to be hard. So I figured a solution. I have to get into baseball again. And because America's pastimes back and Yahoo Daily Fantasy brings you closer than ever to the game you love. You can get started on yahoo.com backslash daily fantasy and find a contest. They have these 50-50 contests where the top 50% wins, or you could do the innovative quick match feature where they'll pair you with a player of your skill level. So you might play somebody like me who's trying to get back into baseball. And we also have a promo code for this, POD25, free dollars, free $25 when you make your first deposit. So it's a, a way to escape your wretched, miserable life. Yahoo Daily Fantasy. And then take your winnings from Bet Online and Yahoo DFS. Buy yourself a pair of Wrangler jeans, and You have a p- couple pairs. I have a couple pairs. My brother actually told me that he was wearing Wrangler jeans. He was working over in Doha in Qatar. And he was wearing Wrangler jeans to work because it's hot as hell there and they're really comfortable. The pair that they fit perfect, they always look great. You can wear them out at night. You can wear them on the couch. You can wear them wherever. They're your go-to. Don't underestimate their importance. Wrangler knows this better than anyone. They're the authority on jeans and they use their expertise in comfort and abilities. They're made for adventurers, go-getters, folks who like to keep moving, guys who ride bikes, Broncos, Teslas like Zandrick out in LA. You have to own a Tesla. They have classic and modern styles, a bunch of fits, prices that work for you. So visit Wrangler.com and check out their great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear, both for men and women. They have new styles. They have great fits because they're Wrangler, real comfortable jeans. So speaking of great fits, let's talk about a couple other teams for a second. And yeah, I, and I, I think play, it's, I have a game for you. I just devised it. Well, head. I would say I want to say one thing real quick, and then we'll go to your game. Toronto deserves a million they just deserve so much credit because like as much as we talked about Portland running it back with Terry Stotts, not making any changes and going to the Western conference finals, Toronto did the opposite. They trade DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry's best friend. They fired Dwayne Casey, NBA coach of the year, although coach of the year awards are a joke, bringing Kawhi Leonard, bringing Nick nurse, who was on staff. Like you hire guys on the bench. Now they're in the NBA finals. And I, I think they deserve so much credit. Masai obviously pushed all the right buttons, got hot at the right time, managed Kawhi's workload perfectly. And, you know, now you at least get a shot against the Warriors. I, I think the public seems to think the series is much more lopsided than it actually is, but we'll get to that later. But, like, 
good for Toronto, right? I mean, they made the right moves. And that, that's my game. We have a mind meld here. Um, because a lot of people were calling for them to blow it up after they, they struggled in the playoffs. And, and Masai Ujiri, who I think now is probably cemented himself as what the top GM or top three GM. One of the, yeah. One of the best three to four. I mean, I don't know what, you know, Bob Myers obviously gets a lot of credit, but tons of talent. They kind of lucked into a, a situation. My guy, Daryl has to be up there. Tim Connolly, people love. And then, you know, but, I, I, I mean, don't know. Masai. Super impressive to like hit all the right buttons. Um, but instead of saying blow it up, he didn't say roll it back as is. He effectively, I, I call it doubling down on this window. He's like, look, this team is good enough, but we have to get even better. We're going to have to get even more expensive, you know, trading for a guy like Marcus Saul, who has a big contract, and trading for Kawhi Leonard. It's risky. And, and then the, the deals they sign, well, the deals they sign Kyle to as well, like he, because they made the finals, he got 500000 extra dollars, and that was an extra $1.25 million on their tax bill. Like, he had structured these deals that they're going to pay a shitload in tax based on as far as they go. So now they're going to pay like $23 million in luxury tax, and I don't think the owners are complaining, right? I mean, it feels like you don't complain at all about this. Right. So this is the game. You have three options for these playoff losers. You can either roll it back, which is saying, I think this all works. Let's just keep it going and hope the familiarity leads to more success. Your second option is to do what Toronto did and, and and double down and say like, look, we're close, but we need another big piece. So let's like mortgage a few pieces into one big piece if possible, you know, like Anthony Davis type trade. And then the third option, of course, is blow it up. Say this team has gone as far as it's gone. We need to take a step back and reassess, maybe get a little younger, maybe get a little cheaper. So you can either blow it up, double down. Or just roll it back as is, okay? So you you want to get started with Philadelphia, a lot of free agents. Do you double down, which in this case I think would be a trade or something? Rolling it back is expensive, though. So that's that's the sort of doubling down in this in its own way. Uh, I would, if I was Philly, uh, I think they're obviously quite close. You know, they lose on the quadruple doink. Maybe they would have won in overtime against Toronto. <sighs> Philly, I would I would resign Jimmy. Re- remind me real quick if I say double down if I say yeah, roll it back that means you sign kind of, it. a bad one to start because they have such expensive free agents I'll I would say, roll it back I would roll it back I, I would so like to re- with both I would say doubling down well, double is, so double down means I get rid of Tobias Harris no that means you 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 double up on both those potential max players I would double down I, if I was if I was Philly I'd roll back and I would I would I guess I would double down if that's what this is I would I would they obviously <laughs> they went with Brett Brown which I like I would roll it back with Simmons and Embiid and Tobias and Jimmy Butler and, and take a full season, Zaire Smith. Like, I would re-sign everyone and give it one more shot if I was Philly and, and try to make this work. Because you'll realistically, you'll have pieces to trade later on with, like, Simmons or Embiid and Jimmy Butler, who knows. But I, I would give it one more shot if I was Philly, knowing how close they were. Right. And that one was a confusing one to start because they effectively doubled down in this season. In you know, this season, they, yeah, right, yeah. They acquired these big plays. What about Boston? You know, they have a good team, 49 win team, a little underwhelming, you know, Kyrie's a free agent. Do you roll it back with him or do you, you take a total step back and blow it up or do you double down and try to combine some of these pieces to a trade probably for Anthony Davis? Yeah. They're probably the most interesting team just because obviously everyone thought they were going to be really good. Gordon Hayward never really got back to where he needed to be. We know they had locker room turmoil. If I'm Boston, knowing what I have on my plate right now, I'm going to 
I'm going to build around Jason Tatum. I'm going to let Kyrie walk. I'm not going to blow it up because I don't think Kyrie is coming back. That's me personally saying well, I, that. I consider that blow it up in the sense that like you let this window pass and take a step back. Yeah, I, I would try to find somebody. I don't know what Al Horford's going to do. He's obviously due $30 million. I would assume he's picking up his player option for $30 million. I don't, or I don't think he has another option other than that. I mean, maybe he'll get two years, $45 million. I, I don't know, but... I would probably blow it up and then build around like Jalen Brown, those young guys. I'm not paying Terry Rozier. I've already went over this already. And then if Kyrie wants to be part of that, then fine. But I don't think that I would mortgage the future for one year of Anthony Davis, given that like when you don't get him or if you do get him and then he walks, then you've traded Jason Tatum as well. Because I do think Jason Tatum can be the best player on a playoff team, although I'm not a fan of him as like a superstar. One more team in the East, Detroit. You know, they did finish eighth. They have two expensive players, Brick Griffin and, and Andre Drummond. Reggie Jackson, you could maybe try to trade. I think for doubling down here, it would mean a trade for like a Mike Conley or a trade for a Drew Holiday. And blowing it up would mean trading away Blake Griffin or Drummond if you can. Okay, so I would double down in that regard, knowing that I have Blake Griffin and how good he was last year, given how bad their supporting cast was. What I would do, though... You're not classifying this as double down. This game is very complicated, Zandrick. I would say that. <laughs> I would try. I would see what I can do in terms of trading Andre Drummond, who's you know kind of had a little bit of a revitalization the last two years. I would want to get a point guard, like you said, whether that is Drew. I don't think New Orleans would take Drummond for Drew, but possibly you could trade him to Memphis, and he can play with Jaron Jackson, and you can get Mike Conley for a year. I would like to see Blake Griffin with a real point guard, and I'd like to see Detroit try to put a more feasible roster around Blake Griffin because I just don't know how tradable that is. Because while you have Dwayne Casey, who we don't know how good he is with young guys, I think you have to go for it. That said, I would love to see Blake Griffin personally. I would love to see Blake Griffin go somewhere else, because I think he can help the team get over the hump, and I don't think he can do that in Detroit. But if I'm Detroit and I'm their owners, I'm going to double down and try to put a better roster around Blake Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I don't even know if you have to trade Drummond. Like, if you look at Conley's contract, it's about $33 million for two years. I don't think Memphis, if they take John Morant, wants necessarily wants that so if you can give him some salary relief and bring in conley makes your core very expensive and a little old but i think worth it to have conley and griffin together the one thing i will say about this is if you're detroit and this is what you need to weigh and this is where like good gms are so much better than bad gms or whatever like the 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 gap between like average to bad is is okay and then the gap between like good to bad is like massive if you're detroit and you do that you're probably going to trade picks so you need to realize that, like, all right, if you're going to do this, we need to do every single thing we possibly can right now to try to win a title. And if you feel like you're too far away from that, then you absolutely should blow it up. Like, you should weigh both sides of it, right? And, and you can Rocky rule it all you want, I guess, <laughs> and say, like, what's better and what's worse for them. But given what they pay Blake Griffin, given what they pay Andre Drummond, if you're going to trade draft picks and their middle-of-the-road draft picks, then you just got to be ready. At some point, it's probably going to be a very large rebuild. You know, I said we were done with the East, but this one other one jumps out to me. It's your team, Washington. Just like whether or not do you trade Bradley Beal or not and go full rebuild. You don't. because, And the reason you don't is because you just don't know what you're going to get from Wall ever. So like if you trade Beal, I don't know. They don't have a general manager right now. So like who knows well, what they're going to do. This is this is an interview. The, the, the guy coming in with that job, I think you just understand that like it's Wall and Beal moving forward. And, and maybe Beal doesn't even take your contract offer. You know, like maybe you you give Beal a max deal for whatever it is with him. hundred, I think it's three years, 111 million. You offer it to him and, and there's a chance that Beal could say like, no, like I don't want to be here anymore. But if I'm the Wizards, like you're, those are the two guys you're building around. Like the bottom line is Ernie was allowed to do absolutely ridiculous stuff. Like they traded for Jabari Parker. They traded for Bobby Porter's were terrible deals. Kelly Oubre is gone. Otto Porter's gone. 
You need to draft a wing in this year's draft, and then you need to prepare for next year. So you need to make a bunch of moves to clear out cap space and be able to be flexible for when you assume John Wall will be healthy and you have Brad Beal as well, and that's what they need to do. This, this coming season is an absolutely lost year. They should totally tank around Brad or whatever, try to get another high pick, and then the year after, let Wall come back and hopefully he's completely healthy and build around those guys. That's really the only option, I think, given Wall's current I think that's good. Yeah, I think that's smart. And you could be the GM. Two more, we'll give you. Houston, you know, that had a, a great year, then a good year this past year. And obviously not blowing it up in the James, James Harden sense, but blow it up in the sense of like, if you could get off Chris Paul's contract and maybe take a slight step back. Or at doubling down, doubling down in this case, I think it's trading for another expensive, maybe overpaid player like a Kevin Love and just like going deep into the luxury tax for a team that maybe can contend. I don't know. Here's what I would do. And this is going to sound absolutely insane. And I haven't looked at the finances of this yet, so I don't know how plausible this is. I would, I would give Jimmy Butler a max contract and I would see what happens for one season. And I would tell Tillman Furtado, like, hey, you talked a big game. This is what we want to do. This gives us the best chance to win a title. We need a wing who can score and defend and who can play a, a full mix of a game. I don't think they'll do it. I would double down. I would say, you got to pay the tax, and I will figure it out down the road. If I'm Daryl Morey, like, this is, this is it. Like, this is my last stand, okay? Like, Chris Paul, probably going to be pretty good next year. Maybe not super playable. Capella's whatever. If I'm them, I'm walking into Tillman Furtado's office and I'm saying, look, here's what I want to do. Here's how much money I want to pay these people. Here's how much it's going to cost you. I promise you I will try to save you as much money as I can. And when it doesn't work, I'll blow it up. But you say you want to win titles. You're firing coaches. Like you're doing all this crazy stuff. This is my last stand. And I'm going out and I'm signing an actual wing who can score and defend. And for me, that's Jimmy Butler. Now, I don't know how feasible that is. It's not. I'll tell you, I I looked into this because I was curious the same thing. And they were going to trade for Jimmy Butler. Remember, they offered all those picks during the season. Yeah, four shitty first-round picks. Right. But the reason they could do that for matching salaries is because they had a bunch of like Brandon Knight you know, type contracts on the books. Now they don't. To do that, they'd probably have to trade um, not only Eric Gordon, but maybe even Capella just to get the salaries. I, w- I would do that. Well, you, don't ha- you can sign Jimmy Butler. Well, I don't think that they don't have the cap space. They can't just right. Sign you can't absorb it. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. Like, you can't absorb his cap space into it. When you traded him, you would have had his bird rights. But like, my point is, I would do everything I could to get that specific guy. And like, yeah, that's why I, I said I, they they were small. They need they need to break up like the Austin Rivers played well for them. They don't need four guards like that. They need a bigger wing. Correct. And so that's, like I said, like it, it feels very, very weird that uh, James Ennis just like didn't work for them. And all of a sudden for the Sixers, like he was fine. But if I'm Daryl Moore, like that's the biggest problem. We want to play ISO basketball. We had no, they had nobody over six, three that could play ISO basketball. And it's like, if you're going to play that way, you need another guy to take some of the load. So I think that's, you know, like that's what I would try to do if I was them. I would definitely try to double down. Um, this one is interesting because this is a team that had this dilemma last year, the Spurs, you know, they, what do you get for Kawhi? Do you go young? Do you go contend win now? And, and they picked the latter and they have DeMar DeRozan and, and LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't ne- I think those guys have really any trade value. So if, on their contracts, so trading them would basically, let's say you get nothing for it. You just get off the contract and go super young. Is that worth it? Would you blow it up or do you keep this team that won? You know, impressive 48 games, won three round games in the first round, but really wasn't a threat. I'm, I'm rolling this one back. Uh, DeJounte Murray hurt all year. 
Lonnie Walker hurt to start the year. Derek White hurt to start the year. Did not have their full complement of young guys. I think they're going to be an absolute terror defensively, especially on the perimeter. Don't know how good they're going to be. They, they still very clearly may be worse than like Houston and like Utah and teams like that. But I'm rolling this one back and I'm letting Pop coach these guys and, and a team that he seemed to very much enjoy coaching. And, and I think in a year you have to decide what you want to do with like DeMar and LaMarcus Aldridge. But for now, I think they're different than the rest of the league. And if they really lean into it defensively, we could see how good they could really be. They, they could be substantially better next year if DeJounte Murray takes a leap. And I think you have to count on something like that. So I would roll this one back for sure. I, don't, I think this is a pretty clear decision. Yeah, and and the others I thought were pretty clear. Like Denver played pretty well. Uh, Portland, I, I think they've reached past the point of blowing it up. They, they have one more move, and this is this is it. And we've talked about it before. It's like get it's like sell out and get Blake Griffin. That's like the perfect guy to play make in space. You probably can't get him. You can't afford it. Then it's like all right, trade for Kevin Love, who's like a little bit worse. And that's kind of it. Like it's those types of guys, like a shooting spit, floor spacing, like passing four man is the guy you need. You know, and I don't know how many of those guys are out there. Yeah, Kevin Love is like the dangling fruit just because it's like he's actually from there. not that overpaid anymore. It's like thirty million a year, but like in in like the John Wall world, that's not the worst contract around. And so for me, like that's the move Portland has to really get over the hump. And no, I think there are a lot of teams in the West that are kind of sitting there and being like, "Well, we don't know what Golden State's going to look like." So maybe Portland feels like they're not that far away. Again, we talked about this; they got swept. They led the series for more minutes than they trailed they were up 17 in three games. Like maybe Portland feels like, Hey, we'll run it back again and have Nurkic. And actually we could win in a world without Durant. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Obviously I, I doubt it. You know, I want to give you one more just for fun. Toronto, amazing team. Great story. You know, most fans are rooting for them and um, casual fans because the, their actual fans are so great. Let's say Kawhi Leonard leaves. They lose the finals. He leaves. You're stuck with Lowry, Gasol, Siakam is that good enough or would you blow that team up well probably would blow it up honestly you know I, I think that it would it, be really interesting to see the the kind of like mindset of Kyle Lowry a, a guy who's so kind of like been criticized for his play in the playoffs like over and over and over again and it's just like the guy plays so freaking hard and and, and a lot of times like as a coach you're like oh he's really he's really a, a hustle guy and that's usually reserved for like white players or like bad athletes right but Kyle just plays so fucking hard and he's like such a, the heartbeat of like the team. And it's like very clear that like him and Masai were like not okay at the beginning of the year. And then all of a sudden, like you just see this guy who just cares so much and you see Marcus all come and like provide some like very veteran presence and like Kawhi gets all the accolades, but it's like, they've, they've got this like group of guys. that's just like not had a lot of playoff success. And then they surround him with like a, a generational talent and, it feels like you got to blow it up if Kawhi leaves, but like, man, I feel for Kawhi and like Marcus Saul, or I'm sorry for Kyle and like Marcus Saul and those guys, just because like they get to finally have some success and it's it's probably going to be one year and that's it, right? Like, I don't see another example of I don't see another scenario where you run it back with Kawhi. I just I just don't see it. I don't care even if they even if they win, I don't think he's staying. And, and this is my problem, right? Like, I secretly think Kawhi Leonard like probably did the wrong thing in San Antonio. Like all the information that we have is like that, you know, they told him he was ready to play and he kind of was like, you know, F you guys, I don't want to play for an organization. I don't think it has my back, which was kind of weird. We don't really know what went on behind the scenes. And now everyone's just like all over Kawhi. Like he's this great teammate and like great leader and stuff. And like, I just don't believe it. Like I think that Kawhi is the best player on the team, possibly the best player in the playoffs. Who knows? I think the leadership has come from Kyle, from Mark Saul, from Van Vliet, from Nick Nurse doing a good job, from Masai. Like, I think that Toronto kind of indoctrinated Ka- Kawhi, but I'm tired of this whole, like, 
everyone just sort of forgot how he just like hijacked the Spurs season last year, you know? I, I agree. And, you know, it's across all sports, really. I'm thinking like, you know, John Elway kind of sat out on his team and then became a beloved figure. Eli Manning refused to play in San Diego and became a beloved figure in New York. And it's like, okay, right? If Kawhi doesn't, it's like this Isaiah Thomas thing. Like, you know, he did all this stuff for the Celtics and they didn't sign him and it's a business. And if Kawhi felt like this was the best decision for him to make, like he's got power. But at the same time, like Kawhi's a great leader and like, he's not a soft guy. Like that doesn't really play for me here. He's just an amazing basketball player. Amazing. Oh, it shows you like winning just, Cures. cures everything yeah and and it's like jimmy butler you know philly fans embraced him now and they and they like him and and you know anthony davis people turned on him but as soon as he starts playing well again they'll love him again so you know that's why we put up with you to be honest behind the scenes You're yeah i mean I, I don't know i just feel like i would love the city of toronto drake aside and i i kind of enjoy drake's annex they're out of line for sure like he shouldn't act the way that he does and like never forget that like they ran drake night at the end of the year and he didn't even show up so this whole like i'm toronto super fan is like total bullshit like he's playing for the camera it's great but the actual city of toronto like you said like the jurassic park fans and like how they were partying in the streets and stuff it reminds me of like when i was in college in philly and the phillies won the world series in 2008 and the city just like erupted like everyone was just so excited and it's like Golden State, like, it's boring, man. Like, San Francisco and Oakland, like, they don't embrace the Warriors. Like, people go to games because it's cool. Like, Toronto, like, their fans really care. Like, they're a good place to see a game. Scotiabank Arena was out of control on Saturday night. Like, I hope the Raptors win. I don't think they're going to win, but I I hope they do because it's like the city, this is their first ever finals appearance. They've just been through so much shit. It's like, it's a really fun story to me, Zan. Like, I think Toronto is like, it's awesome for them. I'm, I'm happy for them. I honestly am. It cost me a lot of, equity but i'm happy for them yeah they're 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 just i'll go one step further and you can cut this out because it could be offensive you always say that and then i always end up cutting it so like let's try to dumb it down you know (laughs) let's try to make it less offensive like don't say things like canadians are idiots you know no no, i'm going the other way so maybe it's offensive in being overly complimentary but i was going to make this point not only do I love Toronto, I love all of Canada. Yeah, they're great. I, they're, they're great people. And I love, and I'll say, I love people in Milwaukee. I love people in the Midwest, um, Minnesota and, and Milwaukee. They're just nice, good people. And I have a, I was going to say, like, is it like the further north or farther north you go? Is it like people just get nicer? Is it like about the cold or I'm not saying the offensive part. I, I don't mean to suggest Southerners are, are not nice, but it just seems like the, you know, this North North America has really got their stuff together. I mean, I just think Canada people always say is very, even like South Park has made those jokes for years about how Canada is just like super nice. And like, but I don't know, man, I, I just think like, it's, why is that? Is, is it like, cause there's, I, I have the weather's f- miserable. The so weather? you have to be nice. Yeah. If you're not positive, you, you just like sit in a dark room all day or something. I don't know. And I have this other theory too. It's just like, it's so spread out. You know, we talked about, I think before that, um, Everyone thinks of Canada and the U.S. as being like sort of equal, but um, they're both big countries. Canada has about 38 million people, which is like less than the size of California. And they're spread out. So maybe it's just a matter of like having room to breathe and not feeling like you're sitting on top of each other and yelling at each other in traffic. Maybe there's something to that. I mean, I don't know anything about like, I'm never going to go to like Calgary or like Winnipeg or Manitoba, any places like that. But like Toronto is an awesome city. Montreal is an awesome city. Vancouver is like one of the greatest places I think. Like it's amazing. And it's, you know, I don't know. I just, I would like Toronto to really work out because I do think like internationally, like basketball can be a big deal, but like, 
you know, maybe it's another example. Like maybe you can get, but you know what? And to, to hammer this point home, you know, who's the, who's considered the nicest people in the, in the, in the country. He keep going North. Uh, Santa Claus, North pole. This is definitely not getting cut. So people hear you say that. All right. So North pole considered one of the nicest. And and the, the fact that they don't have a team is kind of an outrage, I think, but. Yeah, in, in Antarctica. Like, the what would you call them? Like, the reindeer? Like, what would the name of a team from the North Pole yeah, be? I, one of them has penguins, one of them doesn't. I, I shouldn't know. I don't know. The last thing I remember, I watched March of the Penguins. If Morgan Freeman narrates it, I would watch it. Like, if it was you reading thoughts to Morgan Freeman and then he spoke them out loud, you wrote them, then I would be more inclined to not cut out the things that get said at the end of the podcast. But, well, I was going to say Antarctica, not just to correct you, is not in the North. Um, wait, isn't that... Wait, so what... The North Pole and the South Pole, right? Antarctica is the South Pole. This is yeah, they are they are different. They are different. They're almost polar opposites, you might say. Um, I just think of them all as one thing. It's just one giant icy state that I'll never attend. Yeah, but I'm there's two sides of the globe. Who are you? you are you Kyrie now? <laughs> it's um, yeah. The, it was, if it came out that I was a flat Earth truther, that would stay yeah. in the show. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but so I honestly think like. Like I said, like this year's playoffs, very interesting. Like this series with the Bucks, super interesting. Kudos to the Raptors. Uh, we'll preview the finals. I think Wednesday. It'll probably go up Thursday morning. But uh, no, no predictions from us just yet. Obviously, because I still want to take a look at some different things. I do feel like this finals is much closer than I think a lot of people feel. Obviously, whatever happens with Kevin Durant will be very interesting. Marcus Cousins is supposedly supposedly going to play. So I think there's a lot of different angles to kind of. Yeah, I agree. It's like the MVP race to me, like where it's like, I can't even come up with a conclusion yet, especially if Durant doesn't play. Um, But we'll study it and come back with picks because I'm not certain yet. I'm not not just penciling in Golden State yet. I agree. Uh, So I am at CYS, CYS Tyler on Twitter. He is at Zan underscore Ellison. And we will be back on Thursday. If you like what you hear, please do rate us on iTunes. Leave a review. uh, Give us five (laughs) stars. Not if you're from Antarctica. There's a lot of angry fans there, but... They're the nice people. So hopefully no, they're the mean ones. The South are, they're, they're in the South. I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't keep track of this, <laughs> but people in the world they are from Antarctica. Uh, we will be back on Thursday morning and I, we appreciate everyone who listens and uh, Zan, we'll talk soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the underdog sports NBA show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.